Last week we talked about favoritism. And it was kind of an interesting discussion because most of us have been carrying most of our lives that there is no favoritism. God doesn't treat anybody any different than anybody else. But actually, as I showed you in scripture yesterday, uh, last week, it's not actually true. The favoritism where it says God favoritism was when he was referring to uh, the Jewish nation over the Gentiles when they believed. And when I went through what Romans talked about, it wasn't by works. And we went through we went through the Romans 9, which really makes the point about it, when it talks about Jacob and Esau. And it says very clearly in Romans 9 that before anything was done, anything was done good or bad by Jacob or Esau, Jacob, the Lord says, I love Jacob and I hate Esau. And it goes on to say that that was so that his election might stand. In other words, his choice might stand. Not your works, his choice. And that's why it's found in Romans 9, in the book of Romans. Because it's a point that's being developed along. It also talked about Pharaoh. And it said about Pharaoh, he hardened his heart so he might display his glory to his people. I'm glad to say God does show favoritism. And I'd like to discuss it, and that's why I still get up close here, because I want to discuss it as a group, what we think about it and how to process that. Because it's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to believe it and act it out. I said before that before I came to, to uh, this area about ten years ago, I had no question about favor. I knew God favored me. He favored me over other. The scripture I gave you, sure, uh, Isaiah 43, I think it's about the third, uh, uh, about the third slide in. No, it's the second slide in. This is a scripture God gave me, and I was sure of it. But somewhere along the way, I lost it. And I don't, I kind of think it was from the other church, but it could have been the area. You know, over different geographical areas, there's different archetypes or principalities. They have different effects and different effects on the people. It's probably the one over here. That's why we see people in Hollywood fight with everything in them to be up and front. Because there's that thing that there isn't a favoritism that comes from God. Now, it kind of messes with our sense of being when we say God does have favors. He favors some people over the other. It really kind of, well, does that care or not? From the time to step of that, since, you know, you're the creation, not the creator. The creator has the right to do what he wants with what he created. And that's where he's a potter, you know, and he has the right to remake the pot. If he likes, if he doesn't like it, he can throw it away. But it also says there, if you clean yourself up, you can be used for noble purposes as well. So there's two things going on. There's a favoritism that comes from God. And there's a favoritism by obeying God. Both of those exist. You're here today because you're favored by God. That's why you know it. Remember it says before, he chose you. Chose you? That's favoritism. He chose you from the very beginning of time to know him. Not everybody chose to know him. And he did. The scriptures all the way through, there is favoritism. Now, there's another scripture that always often gets me, and that is, it says that how you see God is how he treats you. 
Now, if you don't see God as God that you a favor, guess what? You're not going to be receiving the favor that God has for you. God has great favor for you. Now, I want to take a look at, uh, let's go through this thing right here. This kind of really says it all. Could you read it? But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by my name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom. Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give men in exchange for you and people in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Most of us do not feel favored because of this line here. The fire, the waters, the problems. Most of us, because we go through problems, we feel that we're not favored. And I want to take a look at this. You know, Jacob and Israel is the same person, right? Everyone knows that. Jacob, when God called him, changed his name to Israel. So it's the same person. And it's the name of the nation of Israel, obviously. And he was called and beloved and favored in God's sight. Yet, he said, when you go through these trials and tribulations and problems, they won't destroy you, but you can go through them. We think somehow that just because we can see problems, we're not in the will of God. I propose to you that's probably the reason that you are in the will of God, because of the trials. Trials are something are actually a sign of being in the will of God. I mean, I don't like that, but that's it. I can't, I can't think of anything in the scriptures that didn't go through a whole bunch of them. Can you? Well, I don't think Jacob went through that many of them. I mean, I'm not Jacob. I mean, uh, uh, Isaac. Isaac's one that probably didn't go through as many as most of them. Now, he did have a kind of want to kill him with a knife over him, because he thought he was supposed to sacrifice. That was a little bit scary, I'm sure. But as far as that, you don't see a lot of trials on his part. Everybody else I can think in the Bible had a tremendous amount of trials and tribulations. That comes with the territory. It comes with the territory. If you were living a life... Now, I went through a period of time where I just that, you know, I've been through enough trials. Can you just give me that? Sweet time, everything go right. And he did. He was very generous to me. He made a great time. Yeah, well. And then I got carried and said, Wait a <laughs> That's not nice, Eric. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that was after. Uh, that was the trial. <laughs> no, too sweet. In there, he gave me a great peace and a great time and gave me everything I wanted. And I had a great time still with the Lord, but my heart grew cold, and I wasn't changed and wasn't growing the way I should. So I must say to you that this is the mark of a Christian. Trials, tribulations, problems. Isaiah 43. It is one of our favorite scriptures. So you are going to go through this stuff because you're loved and because you're precious in His sight. Because He cares more about who you're going to become 
than your personal pleasure. I have to keep on the Well, I live a long way from your church. Oh, gee, God would never have you drive a long ways and be uncomfortable to be where you're supposed to be. It's crazy what we think. We think it's not convenient, therefore I don't do this. Uh, or that person over there that you want to go over and supposed to say something to. Now, Anko went over and talked to somebody. I, I'm sure that some of the voices in the head said, you don't want to do that. They may say this to you, they may not like it, they may reject you, they may this, they may that. But she chose to do what she believed God was saying and did that and received a reward for it. In heaven, she'll get a reward for it. This was a great blessing for us to hear that story because God moved on. But we have to be willing to do that. We have a God that is not concerned with personal comfort. Your parents aren't concerned with personal comfort. They're concerned with the end result. And that's the way God is. I want to take a little trip through. Go to the first slide here. Not going to do a real long message today because we have to kind of get out early, but it's going to be a lot longer than this, and I don't think you're getting out that quick. Is it that Pastor Stalitin? That was good. Yeah, five minutes left. No, no longer than that, but we don't have a long time. Now, this is Abraham's family tree. So, I thought we'd go through some of that. You know, we remember in the New Testament quite a bit about the persecution of Paul and how many times he was stoned. Uh, how many times he was, uh, he was, uh, uh, one less than 40 lashes. 40 lashes is supposed to kill you. I think it was four times he went through that. I mean, a whole, the whole New Testament movement. Let's look at the patriarchs right now. Now, Abraham was one that, you know, uh, was called by God. Uh, and I've got to say that Abraham's call was kind of interesting. I'm sure that God made this call to go to this promised land to a lot of different people. And I'm sure he needed to his, uh, uh, his uh, father first. Go to the third slide real quickly and read that. That's Abraham's father, Terah. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out for from Ur on the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Those words get me. They settled there. How many people do you know have started off on this walk in Christ and they settle for so much less than what God called them to? That's what his dad did. His dad was on his way to Canaan, the promised land as well. He doesn't say in the scriptures that God spoke to him. But it's rather interesting. That's where he's going, the same place. The place of big giants. But he was on his way there. But when he came to a place, and I can't remember what Abraham means, but I, I think he means a, a place of rest or stopping off point or something like that. I used to know. I can't remember offhand. But he settled for that. He settled for much less than what God intended him to have. He settled for what was easy. He settled for not to go on too far. You can't be a people like that. People called by God have to be challenged and have to go on. So, go back to the first chart. So we have uh, Abram. He became an Abraham later. And this is the family line. It's a pretty interesting family line. You know, most of us are familiar with Sarah and Hagar. Petra, uh, whatever her name is. He had six, six sons by her. Don't ever hear of him again. You also don't hear of uh, uh, Hagar's son, uh, 
in the scriptures about that, Ishmael, but you sure hear of him on earth today, him all over the place. And here it is, you have a promise, and Abraham received a promise. He received a promise that was really twofold. He received a promise to be the father of many nations and the father of kings. Those are two different, all in one, they're two different promises. And he received that promise, and that promise was passed on to his son Isaac. Isaac didn't have a lot of things. He was kind of like a, uh, a transfer court. He took the, the blessing that came from Abraham and passed it on down uh, to uh, uh, his son Jacob. Well, he didn't have a lot of different problems. But Jacob didn't have Esau. Now, in Romans 9, we saw that Jacob had Esau. So you have Jacob being elected by God. Great favor. Not by anything he did. Just because God told him. You see, Isaac just came out of a promise. Chosen by God. But it went to Esau. He really first born is Esau. Mm-hmm. It really was the first born. If you take a look at the family lines like Jacob, you know, you have the ones with the short dresses, those are wives. The ones with the long dresses are concubines. So you can see that God uses concubines for the family line of Israel. There's the 12 tribes of Israel right down there. Uh, uh, two of them, I can't even say her name, Zappa. And Leah had uh, six of them. And the rest were between Rachel and uh, Bihab, or whatever her name is. I'm horrible on names. Two each. They're all, one of them is a birthright promise, is what this what the purple is showing. Now, this is a, what a birthright promise is, the promise of the oldest son. And it's supposed to be the oldest son all the way down. They get the, the blessing. But God does some weird things in here, and it's the reason I'm pulling the stuff up. You're going to see God giving favor to some people over others, even though by the birthright line, they wouldn't. For example, the first son of Jacob... He's Reuben. Now, Reuben messed up. He ended up sleeping with uh, Jacob's, uh, uh, or Rachel's servant, and, and uh, defiled her father, his father's bed. And because of that, he's removed. So, here you have the man being removed because of his sin. But the very next one would be Simeon. Did you go to him? No. He went to Rachel's first. Joseph. Why? Favor. God chose Joseph. And of course, it wouldn't, wouldn't be like sowing and reaping, would it? Well, then, you see, there's another principle play, you know, you sow, you reap in that. Now, Jacob, I mean, Sir Planter, his name, was the one who stole the birthright. <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't father-in-law initiated. Uh, uh, Jacob, uh, that was long before. Jacob, that was Jacob Esau before he was ever married, before he had any wives. You know, Jacob, uh, 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 Esau was the first son, had the birthright promise right there, and he stole it. You know, he, first of all, bought it for some porridge. 
which was the right, the right as, as the first son. But then they, after that, there was the blessing. And the blessing was kind of the insurance policy that was going to go through the, the, the uh, insurance policy that the first uh, son blessing would go with it. And he stole bread. You think you need to steal it? No, he didn't need to steal. Why didn't he need to steal? Because God said, I love Jacob, he hates Esau. That he was looking to himself. You kind of remember like Genesis and all the way through, people taking things in their own hand, and Abraham taking things in their own hand, their own timing to do things that they want, if you think, maybe may even think God wants, but want. Well, he did. He, he stole that thing from him. So, no, it was a flat of, of choice. God chose. He could have used any of those other ones that were far before. As a matter of fact, Joseph was number 11. Number 11 in the family. Uh, and Leah was a legal wife first. So she was the first wife. Not second, third, first. So it was, it was sensible for it to go to Simeon. You know? God chose to do it differently. And so he had to go to Joseph. Now, Joseph, since we're on Joseph right now, he marries an Egyptian woman. Okay? He marries an Egyptian woman and has two kids. Ephraim, which was the second born, now became the first born. Matter of fact, what happened was that when, uh, when, uh, uh, uh Jacob came to Egypt as Joseph brought him there. Jacob blessed one above the other. He blessed the younger above the other one. And not only did that, he adopted them as his own sons. And he says, the sons after you will be yours, but these two are mine. And he made him, Ephraim, Wilbus, old son on the line, on down. The birthright goes through him. I mean, why? That's favor. Why? Why would do that? Why not do that? Now, the scepter of uh, promises is the kingly line. That's the promise of becoming, you know, Jesus came out of. Let's put it that way. That's the line that Jesus has. This is the birthright. This is the line of, of Jesus came. And it's interesting to me. I don't know. I, I, I thought about it a little bit. I haven't thought about it really. Joseph was, was even though he was not the uh, line of the Redeemer, his act of who he was in Egypt was the act of redemption. Kinda, if you follow me on that, that kind of bends your mind a little bit. That's interesting. Yeah, because it looks like it's a tradition. There's nothing in the scriptures for that. That is a tradition. That, to me, I kind of think it's showing the two lines. The, uh, the firstborn is, is, is of Israel, and, and, and the, when the promise is going to be married together later. I think I mean, that's nothing but a wild guess, you know, because of... Like, what, that later on? The birthright and the 
I have no clue other than my guess. My guess is yes. My guess is the thing that, uh, uh, yeah, just, just as it says that, that, uh, Israel was, uh, uh, cut off for a time. And we were grafted in. And Paul says, I, a later, uh, a secret that Israel, uh, will be grafted back in. That's my guess on it. Not, nothing but a guess. Scepter, like a scepter of royalty. That's, that's how you know. That's a scepter promise. It's the one. It's the one of royalty. It's the kingly line. This is the firstborn line. It's just kind of. A, I, I threw this chart up there. It's an interesting chart because it shows God's favoritism on certain people all the way down. I don't know anything that uh, Ephraim or Manasseh, Manasseh did. I, I can't remember anything. Good or bad listed? Can you? Just God does us what He wants to do with what He made. It's His choice. See, He just came from Judah, the kingly eye, because it's through Christ He came in. So we are chosen by God. We're favored by God. Anyone who believes is favored by God. How far that favor will go, I don't know. Does it mean your favor means you get more testing too? Guaranteed. You want that favoritism, you can get the weapon along with you to get you there. It takes that. It takes us to become who we're called to be. I wish that we were made in a way that we could just say, God says to do this this way and we do it with all of our heart. Now it works when we first believe. Can you? You got something when you first believe, anything you said was so easy and you could do it? Right. I couldn't see how anybody couldn't, couldn't, couldn't obey. I couldn't see possible how anybody would fall short or sin. Didn't last long, but I actually made a pretty good time, probably about six months. Did really good. And, and I made that statement on one day, on a, I think it was a Friday or Thursday, and by that weekend I was in sin. God showed me how much strength I have. None. So, I thought that was a good thing to look at because it really makes the point. God has a way of, of when there's no reason you could look at it in any other way. I mean, common sense would say that in the, the old sun line, you know, and the old sun line because it would be the old sun. Over and over again. Ephraim wasn't the oldest son, you know. Uh, Joseph was not the oldest son. He had the first, uh, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't that. Uh, Jacob wasn't the only oldest son. God broke his rule. The first, firstborn thing. Can you explain with us a little bit, don't you think? He does what he wants to do when he wants to do it. I don't understand why he does it, but he does. Other than, Every one of those choices, somebody has to be listening to do it. Jacob, you know, uh, of course, he was kind of a mess up there. But Jacob had to listen to pick Joseph. He had to listen to pick Ephraim. He had to listen. He had to be able to hear and be able to see what God's doing. 
You want them to obey, you can do it. He came to the kingdom. The scriptures, because God did not break his word. He doesn't break his word, but he makes his word in such a living way that he can do things a little different than you expect. And he does on a consistent basis. You know. The hard thing is, is when is it really you hearing and your soul? That's why you need your friends that are in the Lord to help you with that. And that's why you have authority in churches. Authority in churches to help you because if you come into church and, and your pastor, you know, guides you in a way or making a decision for you that really should be yours and he ends up making it, you keep the whipping for it if it's wrong. Pastor. That's how authority works. You too, but he will get a bigger one. You know, so don't come asking me what to do. That's why I skirt most of those questions. I don't know. You know. It's all by hearing. What comes to you is different. So, now Abraham, let's look at that chart again here. Now Abraham didn't have it so easy either. This is a call, this is a easier than a lot of people. But he went through a lot of stuff. He was called at age 75, had his uh, Ishmael at age 86, and got his promised child at 100, and then was asked to offer it up, the promise that God gave, that he had visitations for, that God spoke to him about. He was offered, asked, He's on the altar and kill him. And he was ready to do it. Figuring, figuring that God had power to resurrect him from the dead. That's how much he believed. That's where our faith comes from, our father of faith, from him. In the meantime, before the child, even though he was promised, he went through all kinds of different trials under different kings around there that he was afraid of his life. He not always did the best on choice, but in the end, he had a belief through there. So he was tested for his thing very hard. And can you imagine, when it says, the scripture says that his wife was a hundred, um, I mean ninety, past the age of having children, he meant exactly that. She was unable to have children. It's not a miracle. This is, this is not, well, she was just, no, she was a hundred years old, ninety years old, and she couldn't have children anymore. So this was a blessing from God. Kind of like Jesus being born, not quite the same, of a virgin birth. A miracle. It's a sign of that, I might add, by God. Isaac. Isaac, like I say, didn't have to do a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, uh, um, he lived his old age and his son deceived him. That's really fun. Uh, Jacob. Now Jacob came to 12 tribes of Israel. He had to really work 14 years to get the woman he pleased and that he wanted, the one he loved. He was cheated. Uh, and yet, he waited through what God was doing. And in the end, received the great blessing of having the 12 tribes. That promise really began to blossom and Jacob, because the twelve sons were there, huh? Well, and how about the fact that those were the same guys that threw his, their brother in the ditch? <laughs> in the well? the twelve tribes of Israel. Yeah, they threw him in the ditch. Yeah, they threw him in a well, and they sold him off for slavery. They kind of nice brothers. You know, he kind of deserved in the way. You know, he had a dream. We had dreams. He had a dream. 
his dream is to see his beloved brothers and sisters and mom and dad. He's going to be king over them, you know. And he went and told them the dream. You know, there's times not to sell dreams, and that's one of them. He just kicked them off. When they got really ticked off, they, it was very shortly after that, they threw them in the well, and then we're going to kill them. <laughs> Those are our godly roots. <laughs> it would be. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I could even with you turkeys. He just played with him a little bit, didn't he? But anyway, so he was, he was, now Jacob, and you've got to think, not only was he sold into slavery, but he, uh, he was a slave for a while, and then he was wrongly accused because the one who was working for, the woman wanted to go to bed with him and kept on going after him, and he wasn't good and offended her. And so she turned to him saying, he was gone after her. Lied. He was thrown in prison, but God switched it around there again. He became the head in prison. He became the, the, the number one guy of the, uh, the guards in there. And then after that, he ended up having uh, a couple people came with dreams, interpreted the dreams, and eventually became really the ruler of Egypt. Pretty good, pretty good thing. But it took a long time to happen. And who would figure that God would do it that way? He goes against the things we did. That was the trials. You know, had the trials. So that's the kind of stuff that we, that we face, basically in trial. So what is the testing for, guys? What is the question? What is the testing for? What is this guy doing in refining us? To grow under, under tension and pressure, and it's just for development and, and to prove yourself that you know the word. God knows the word. The devil knows the word. You got to prove it to yourself. Mm-hmm. That's part of it. That's a very good part of it. What else, guys? Okay, how do you develop your character? By doing stuff you don't like. There's one of them. talks about developing the character. Can anybody remember it offhand? No, just give us your version. You know, the, I love when we, when we can take what's there and not just parrot it and call it in different words, because that tells we understand it. Go ahead. It's in James. Mm-hmm. Have all joy, my brother, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And patience, character, and character... That's for Uh... Oh, the idea is that... Let patients have its perfect work. That, I don't know. Can you work and bring Lacking in nothing. That's the universe meant. Because you know that the testing here is developed perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Good. That's right. That's talking about Jesus, of course. 
even his son, he did it to his son, one and only son, he'd do it to you. It's through that testing and trials that we are made in the image of God. That's why you can always have those things. And there's no way out of them except die. Mm-hmm. That's exactly because you need him. He'll either get you mad or glad, as they say. He's either going to draw closer or push him away. There's another thing that I'm, I'm looking at. I'm, now, let me take you the words. When you test something, it's called what? Yeah, you got it. You can just see it right now. I see a couple of them on it. Uh, Go to slide four. Psalm 66. Why don't you read that out loud? For you, O God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us in prison and laid burdens on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. Her trials came out. The next one's five. Next slide. See, I have refined you. Isaiah 48, 10. Though not as silver, I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do this. How can I let myself be defamed? I will not yield my glory to another. What do you think it says that I won't yield my glory to another? Isn't that the truth? When you get tested, you know it's not us. You know it's only God that makes you walk through this without sinning. Just like my little pain after six months, I thought it was so strong, seriously. I found I was so weak. Yeah, that's through testing I found that. I didn't like it. So you find out that God's God and we're not. Which is the lesson of uh, Romans 9. God's God and we're not. Big, big deal. Uh, okay, let's read a little longer one. For my own sake? For his purposes. That's exactly. And we don't, you know, the flag is he doesn't tell us the plan. It's just to be made in his image. So what does it take upon us? It takes blind trust walking one step in front of the other when we're getting smacked and we don't know why because he has a promise before us. But if we do that and we don't go to the left and don't stick it out and go to the right and keep on straight, he can trust us to the task he set before us. That's a big deal. Okay, the next one. Many will be purified, spotless, and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. Okay, so it's clear that the wicked will become more wicked. So in other words, something mad and glad is what that's saying. That's where that comes from. Okay? Uh, there's another process of refining. You can tell me, anybody know, ever seen anything refined? What happens when they heat it? Up the top. 
That's called, for often it's called separation. That's what they call the separation. It's a separation process. The separating the, the sin from the not. So in the defining process, the sin comes up and it's off. It's a process of what happens. But also, it causes us to be set apart. One of the things about being called by God is to be set apart for his purposes. We're set apart and we have a purpose for us and we're different than other people. Not a fun thing. Not a fun thing because the world is different. So much now, people don't want to be different. You don't like that idea. You try to build a church, act, and be just like the rest of the world. We're not supposed to be just like the rest of the world. We're supposed to be different. When they look at us, they're supposed to see that we're definitely have to be weird, and we're supposed to be different. Now, we don't do the same things that they do. We don't act the same way they don't. We don't react the same way. We are called to be different. Now, I'm, this next scripture I'm going to read, have you read, is what I think has happened. Let me see. What I think happens in the churches today, and, and it's a big temptation for us, and I don't see it. I don't think I have a scripture here, but I'll, I'll tell you what the purpose is. Do you remember when Moses went up to the Ten Commandments? And when he went up there, what happened? Remember? No, 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 no. No, I'm talking about when he went up to the Ten Commandments. That's before it. You're looking at my notes again, huh? You don't even help this weekend. I'm teasing her. They, you know, it's really funny. What happened? They said, who's this Moses guy? He's been gone a long time. Again, time. Not in our time. We want it now. It's been a long time. We want you to make your God for us. That's why God called Moses and not Aaron in the first place is Aaron caves. He says, okay, just bring this stuff. Bring me all your jewelry and all your stuff. He cracks me up. When he, when he gets in trouble, he's explaining to Moses when Moses comes off there and sees this calf. He says, well, they gave me all this stuff and I threw it in the fire and I popped this calf. <laughs> That's what he said. He says, we threw it in the fire and I popped the calf. Like some holy thing happened. I've seen some of that around today. Why do you think that they made the gold calf? Very good. Look at hands of what else? They didn't trust God because he didn't give him what he wanted in his timing. Very good. What else? Well, they made it a God. But what else besides that? Because. The cow, they wanted a God to do what they wanted done. They were in charge. That's the key of all cults, by the way. The key of all cults. All cults are that way. It's all about getting what you want rather than what God wants. Yeah, 
I mean, they came to him with a couple different words. They said, oh, okay, let's unbuild your account. What a leader. No wonder he wasn't the leader. No wonder Moses was the leader. Because he was the place where he's supposed to go and not check him out and do the other thing. But the big thing here is they wanted something to give them what they want. Now, do you know that? This is a big deal. You've got to listen to this. That was the... Well, yeah, he was actually a deep priest because Moses, remember, couldn't speak well. He, he, he stuttered, you know, and God says, I want to use you, and he argues with him, and he finally says, okay, I'll use your, your brother, Aaron. But, you know, the killer of this thing is, is Aaron caved real quickly, and they wanted a God that they could recognize, see, touch, in their timing, to do everything that they want. You see, that's what an idol is. Idols don't speak. They're dead. And so you go to them and tell them, I want this. I want that. Do you get a connection in your life somewhat, guys? Do you approach God as wanting as, as something to give you what you want? If it is, you're approaching as an idol and it's a cult. It's very important to trust God and you're not. That's Romans 9. Romans 9 says he has the right to make the way you want. He has the right to use people the way he wants. He has the right to elect all the different officials uh, on that patriarch line if he wants. He has the right to pick the apostles he wants. He has the right to pick the leaders he wants. And it says that he does. So we want someone to do the things the way we want and give us what we want rather than what God wants. Well, and how they got there to begin with, too, was remember, they didn't want to go up to the mountains. They're like, oh, no, no, Moses, you, you, you go ahead and go for us. We'll wait down here for you. We don't want to approach God because, you know, for whatever reason, you, you go on up. We'll wait for you down here. You're our leader. You can't home and play. What does it say about rats when the cats are gone? You know? You know, the thing is they're scared to death of God. They wanted a, uh, just a mediator. They did not want to have a relationship with God. I mean, you think about Moses. Wow, he, he was, he was a, a, a friend of God. That's what God said about him. He's my friend. That's pretty awesome. What about Moses? Forty years to get ready the learning of Israel. Twelve of it with his mom. The rest of it under the Hebrews, learning all the ways of the world. He was, you know, to be leader of Egypt meant you were the most educated of all. You, you couldn't be any more educated. Highly, highly educated. So once he was really, kind of like Paul, highly educated, then he stuck him tending sheep and learning how to wait and trust God for 40 years. 40 years. So he got his call and he did it. And he got 40 years. To do what God called him to do. Did a pretty good job, failed at the very end. The enemy argued that he should go to hell. God said, no way, I'm taking him. That was the end of that story. But that's not amazing. Forty years to learn how to wait. To be patient, learn how to hear God, trust God, 
uh, uh, can you imagine his fun? How do you imagine going in front of the king, the most powerful man in the world? Let's keep this thing. Now, we're going to go back. Here we have kind of rules and stuff. But go back then. They had no rules. The rule was the king. In this case, the pharaoh. He gave the rules. He gave whatever one. You walk in front of him, and he says, you're dead, you're dead. Nobody questions that. There's no problem with that. So he had to go there and tell him, God's going to do this and God's going to do that. Let my people go. You think that was scary? You think that was not scary? Let me tell you, that was scary. I can't imagine walking in front of the most powerful man in the world who has no, what we would call morals. Remember, he's the one who imprisoned people and, and, and killed people and did all kinds of horrible things. That's who he was. Walk in front of him and demand that people go. Pretty gutsy. Took four years in that desert to get ready for that one. It really did. Remember, let me back up a little bit. During that 40 years he was in Egypt, he saw the need of his people. He went and killed the Egyptians, took in his own hands. He did not work well for him. So, God sent him out in the desert for 40 years to wait. He became the man that God called him to be, and he became the most powerful man in uh, uh, Israelite's history. And he's, I mean, Moses is the law. Now, of course, Christ came. He's most powerful of all. But as far as Judah, uh, Judaism, he's the head more. He's the number one guy, right? Jesus is the number one guy. Yeah, he's, he's, he's the guy. So, here we have... We have a situation that comes like this. We are favored by God. Highly favored. Says that to Mary. You know, we're highly favored. You know, says it to Jesus, who I'm well pleased. He said it to quite a few different people. We're highly favored and we are called. That means we're favored. Called, favored. You're called by God. You're favored by God. There's, there's, there's no other way to look at it. But with that call, comes testing and trials and developing a character for what? His purpose. Not yours. His purpose. His purpose. And he may display his glory on this earth. That's why he did it with, with Pharaoh. That's why he did it with, said, I love Jacob. He, thought, he wanted to show that his election, his choice is what's right. His glory will be displayed in his timing, the way he wants it. He's God. You're not. So, highly favored though. His trials Develop the character and she could be used by God to bring about his purposes. Every one of those things we talk about refining, talk about great blessing afterwards. You must become wise and understanding and become favored in the things they do. That is the process that you and I are called to. That's the process we have to walk through. So, Father, help us with this. I ask that you help us say yes to the things that you call us to. I ask, Lord, that you would cause us to be a people who will not move to the left or the right. We'll go straight ahead when you're saying going straight. And when you tell us to turn right, we'll take the right turn. We will not make the choices of our own. Father, I pray that you give us the ability to wait for your timing and the authority to carry out as you develop our character in your image. And when they see us, they will see you. 
that we could speak as Jesus said. When you see me, you see the Father. You could be in each one of us. Let us be changed. Father, bless everyone. Have this keep in their heart. Let the enemy not be able to steal it. Let, cause the Holy Spirit to remind the people of this day and night. And to press in towards you day and night. That you would be our portion. I pray for this thing. In your holy name. Amen. Now, if you need prayer, come on forward. Cartoon, uh, come up here. You need prayer for this or anything else. We'll be glad to pray for you. So, Cartoon, come up here and the rest of you. Turn on the iPod, yeah. <laughs>